Start really believing in yourself and be confident. Life can kick you down and beat you up, but if you believe in yourself, and you, even if you have a little bit of belief and you just persevere and tenacity and be a self-starter and keep going after it, sooner or later, momentum is going to go into your way and help there. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and we are down in South Florida today, ladies and gentlemen. We've got Omar Perryu with me today, and you, good sir, had an exit. Sir, I sure did. And I've had a few, actually. So, you know, the key is when it comes to business, you got to know where you're going, you know, whether it's an exit, whether you're upscaling, whether you're, you know, whatever it is. But exits are, as long as they're done well, as you know, being a mentor and a coach, if they're done well, they can be very fruitful. Well, it's funny that you brought up because I was like, he's had multiple exits and I... When in meeting you, I was like, man, this guy might be like the most interesting guy in the world. Like, I feel like he should be like on the Dos Equis commercial <laughs> or Captain Morgan. I don't know which one it is, but like you, you walk up to him at a party, you have no idea what you're in store for. So Omar, thank you so much for joining me on the Dreamcatchers podcast today. And I would just love to dive into the fact that you built health clubs in Southern California. Yeah. How did you get to that place? Because I don't, are you native to be in America? Did you guys immigrate? Like, give me the breakdown on how you got there, man. Yeah, I was born in Cuba and we escaped. My, my mother and the kids, my father stayed back so we wouldn't get caught. And so when we got to Miami, they had a place called Freedom Tower and we lived there and they were sponsoring families around the country and they sponsored us to Joliet, Illinois. And we landed, it was big. Snowstorm, you know, no money, no credit, no family, no friends. We don't speak English and we've never felt cold air. Cubans in Chicago say no. You know, we're island people, you know what I mean? So it was a big shock to us, but we're the only Hispanic family in Joliet, Illinois. And long story short, met some good kids that taught me English, brought me a Webster's Dictionary, and they said we're one word a day and teach you English. They did. And they're still my friends, and they were my wedding and everything. So fast forward, I did really well in sports. Uh, I held the AU record for bench press, 400 pounds by weight class. And then I was made to Olympic trials in a 100-yard dash. That's what they had then. They changed it to 100 meters next year. My father, not speaking English, had accumulated three gas stations on auto parts, a block worth of real estate, and his own home. In seven years, you know, uh, but uh, that's why I love this country. Anything's possible, right? But my dad says if he would have had me, he would have he would have lost everything. The first time was not his fault because uh, of Castro, but the other two times he knew. Did you ever meet someone, Jerome, that knows how to accumulate things but not keep them, mm-hmm. right? So that was my dad. I love my dad. is amazing. But he, you know, he did really well with a third grade education. And so he lost everything. I had to get a job. I had to quit school, get a job at a stone quarry. I don't know if you've ever been in Chicago. There's a big stone quarry called Vulcan Materials. Uh-huh. I know That's Vulcan. Wow. It's that big hole, you know? And I, I worked, I, I used to pull, clean pulleys, clean clean and grease pulleys. Yeah. And not fun. Do you ever have a job before you hated it so much? You used to fake going to the bathroom? <laughs> that, no. was, that was my job. Wait. So I got, <laughs> Did you have to like climb up cranes and stuff? Like I would climb up, I would climb up those pulleys, you know, those rubber pulleys. And mm-hmm. I mean, some of them were like a couple hundred feet. 
and you'd climb up and grease them on each side and then clean them on the bottom. It was crazy. I was like 200 feet in the air, leaning over, greasing pulleys with a pump, a grease pump. It was crazy. They paid really well, but it wasn't worth it. So I saved up my money. I don't know if I told you, I studied opera. I'm a lyric tenor. So I went out to California to be a singer. They weren't waiting for me. So <laughs> I had a good job. So I got a job as a personal trainer. So I was remembered Magnum B.I. I, I was Tom Selleck's personal trainer. Logan's Run, the guy from Logan's Run. And Dukes of Hazzard's Chip. It's just a guy from uh, just a lot of people. But I saw salespeople making a lot of money. I go into sales. I failed miserably. And I was struggling. My car was breaking down. I'm living in a 200-square-foot apartment, eating tuna out of cans. And I walked to work that day, and I pray a lot. So I was praying all the way there. And I met my mentor there. And I was looking out the window, and a man, I'm a mechanic's son, so I love cars. And a man pulls up in a black 6.9 Mercedes. And I thought, man, if I could be like that guy. And he gets out, and he's got this big medallion huge and it's all made out of diamonds and it's a phoenix bird like that and it's got the fire with the rubies and all this stuff and it says champions unlimited well i didn't know who he was but he was the investor of the club and he managed speakers so he had a company called champions unlimited and he managed tom hopkins dr maxwell maltz jay abraham danielle kennedy he was best friends with jim Rohn, bob proctor Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar. So he came in and he said, who's the best get in shape? They said, Omar. So he sent him to me and I, he said, hey, what do you do here, kid? I said, I'm in sales. He says, how are you doing? I said, I'm not doing so hot. He says, what's your average income? I said, $147 a month. He started laughing. He goes, there's room for improvement. And he says, hey, have you ever heard of Zig Ziglar? I says, nope. Tom Hopkins, nope. Brian Tracy, nope. Kid, you need help. You're in sales. You don't know those names. So he says, I'm going to, you're going to get me in shape. I'm going to send you to their seminars and I'm going to give you their libraries, but you got to take it serious. And I did. And I became the number one salesperson in health and fitness in three years in the whole country. Got this award. And then he asked me to become, he made me a deal that I won't go into the story because it's kind of long. And I came up with some money and I became his partner. So we built. Health Clubs United States, and we had different names then, and I sold them to my employees, Chin Yi and uh, his brother-in-law, Louis Welch. His mother was my, my bookkeeper, Kay, and his sister was my aerobics director. And, uh, you know, they took it to another level and they had a nice exit strategy. Then I bought a record company. So I bought <laughs> a record company. Yeah, I took that, did really well, sold that company to Sony Records. Then I started doing IT and real estate. And then I got my first, first book deal and my first, my agent at the time was the same agent as John Maxwell. His name is Seeley Yates. So he got me my first deals. And then now I'm on my 28th best-selling book and 44 programs on and Teachable and Udemy and UCOR. And so I do this because I love it. I haven't had a work since I was 31 years old last year. <laughs> Kidding. I wish. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it's fun, but you know, it's all about being with the right mentors, as you know, being yeah. mentored, being okay. guided, and you can have one mentor and then have them guide you when you uh, have an exit strategy, you better be ready for it. Like for me, I went right from my exit strategy to writing books and singing. So I have records in Spanish, Italian, I have a holiday CD. So I started touring on my records. If you look me up, I won the equivalency of the Grammy two years in a row. Yeah. So I, but then, you know, when you're so busy running a business and the records and all that, and that you sell that business and it's a big business, you have a void there. So the key is to have a mentor like yourself, like myself, guide you so you can keep moving and find something else. Cause no matter how wealthy you are, you need to stay busy, especially if you're 31 years old, right? So imagine you're handed hundreds of dollars and you're 31 years old and you broke nine years before. I mean, broke. I mean, I was flat. I was making $140 a 
a month living in a 200 square foot apartment, eating tuna out of cans. I hate cans now. You know, I mean, I'm 31. I got Mercedes. I got the biggest penthouse in Marina del Rey. I got, you know, all this stuff. You got to watch out because, you know, as you know, the material things won't make you happy, like cars, Rolexes, clothes, apartment, all that. Zig Ziglar had a great line. He says, Omar, money will make you happy. But money will let now will make you happy. He says, it's green and it goes with everything. <laughs> he was funny. He was a great guy. I miss him. He, you know, he wrote his last forward. He only did four. His last forward was written for my book from the leadership. So wow. he's been a great mentor, friend. And I miss that guy. Yeah, so lucky. So he and Mr. Murphy, Tom Murphy, introduced me to Tom Hopkins, Brian Trace, Ziegler, Jim Rohn. I mean, I used to have with Bob Proctor on the weekends at the house and Jim Rohn. So, I mean, it, it wasn't just going to a seminar. It was like hanging up on, you know, like and the, at the house, talking. And that's when the gems really, zingers come out, mm-hmm. right? So I got lucky. And you need a little to be successful. Did you get lucky or did you create luck? I think I created it, but you still got to have a little bit of it, you know? That guy met a lot of people, right? Yeah. And if you were an awful trainer, that would have probably ended the relationship pretty quickly. So I think you did a lot of things. The opportunity had to present itself, but I think you did a lot of things to keep the opportunity going, right? Yeah. And you got to put yourself in those places too. One of the keys to success is putting your in places of opportunity. Like for instance, the right vehicle. I was at the right place for the right vehicle. Clubs blew up then. It's, it's tell my kids and everybody, I say, hey, look for something you love and feel like work. Number two, the right vehicle. Because, I mean, you don't want to buy a pager company right now, right? Anybody got a pager? I don't know. So you'd be in trouble, right? Or yellow, like I helped Joe Walsh build Book USA. And they're huge. And he sold out in 2000. What if you held on to it, right? You've seen yellow pages now. They're like this. But he's a very wealthy man and uh, built a empire and helped a lot of people. But you got to find something you love, the right vehicle. Make sure that it's not duplicatable real quick. Because if it's duplicatable, other people can duplicate it. You're going to be in trouble. And uh, yeah. I want to go back in your story because I feel like you glossed over this. You basically said you were greasing pulleys and then you moved to California to sing opera. Like, how did you go from I'm making good money to I'm going to go sing on somebody's set? Yeah. What happened? I just, I wanted to sing, quit school, and I was working as a late stone quarry, and they paid really good money because, you know, those, that's a hard job. And it's only seasonal because in the winter they can't work, right? So I waited till the whole season ended, put up my car, and it was just the beginning of winter. Drove out to California. I lost my U-Haul. Get there, and I get this apartment. And I said to myself, you know, I want to become a singer, so where do I go? Well, I really wanted to sing opera. I ended up being a pop singer. So my record, pop music, like, you know, this type thing, that kind of thing. How do you so, know you wanted to go to California, though? Oh, well, because I went to New York and, and visited, and it, it was most big opera singers, and I'm a lyric tenor. I had the lightest voice, so I wasn't going to get the gigs that uh, I wanted. So I thought, why don't I go to California and sing pop music, right? So that's what I went out there. And I did demos and all that good stuff. Okay. And then that didn't work, so you went to the health club and train for basically nothing. And then you meet the guy. Right. And you become business partners with the guy. And did he actually work in the business or was he just like funding and you were the guy doing everything? He was funding and I was the guy. But what happened was, I'll make a look. There's that a story, but the story was, he said to me, hey, I said, I want to be an owner. He goes, well, here's the deal, kid. I see you know your stuff. Bring me 20K to show me you do it. 
And as he says, do you have 20K? I said, no, anything. He says, all right. So he sent me yours and helped me get a credit card. I press her. And I met a guy and that was his personal trainer. And he would paint apartment in L.A. And as you know, in L.A., there's a lot of apartments. So he said to me, look, I have too much work. You give me 100 bucks every apartment I send, and I'll give you so much work. You, you'll you be so busy. So he gave, he was a great so he sent me there, and I had bodybuilders because I was like, I, I put the mask on. My bodybuilder friends would do the trim because, you know, it's a flat paint and then it's oil, right? So they would do the trim, and I would do the spray. We had spray guns. And so then, like, six months, I went to Mr. Murphy, and I go, here's 20K for my first club, and here's 20K for my second club. Man, I'm impressed. He says, how'd you get at 20k i said well my bodybuilders loved it so much they're making so much money i see the, the the business for 20k with all the wrestlers and everything so he was so we then i went into my second club next thing you know we have eight next thing you know we're buying you know clubs and then we sold out wow yeah and so like there's so many exits in between. We believe there's eight exits for a founder. And so you became chief everything officer. You basically bought yourself a job, right? With the right. 20K to build it up. You build it up. Were you able to get management in place or were you always in there on the day-to-day and responsible for the club? I feel like you want to be like Mr. Murphy, but sometimes it's hard to get to the place where you can just be the owner. You had to have someone who was a CEO. And what I did is I to train people really well. I was really well by my mentors. So I took their training and created a university for the health clubs. And then I would make go through a primary training sequence. Whether you're a membership director or a trainer, you had to go through my training for a week. And that's before they had all that certification stuff. So you would have to be by my myself or one of my managers and go through the training and once you went training five days on the floor but until then you didn't go on the floor i was able to do is i did a training people and i was able to duplicate myself so i could move up and have a hundred mile view of what was going on because when you start expanding fast you know you got to have systems right yeah so if you don't have systems you're on you're in trouble big trouble yeah. Especially when you got multiple locations. Yeah. Because yeah. By the way, you know, when you get to third clubs, I mean, as you know, two thirds of the are making money and one third is not. Yeah. And then be careful that you don't end up running the adult daycare system. So you gotta like stay focused and train. So I would go back and train the leadership over and over again. Cause as you know, in L everybody comes out there, they want to be an actor or a singer. So there was a lot of over right and they would come back after they got apart and bring them if they were good if not with them sorry but uh, there was a lot of turnover because the moment they got apart or something they were gone so mm-hmm. so did you ever install a board before selling or did you just go straight from owning it to getting your check we had a board but the board was people that invested so i did it the old-fashioned way i would go up to you and Hey, you know, we're opening up a new health club. The yeah, is 250 a person. If you're interested, and people would be interested because after we did a few, people saw we were profitable. We had huge clubs. Our club clubs were three acres, 20, 30,000 square feet. So people were like intrigued by it. The first club, 7,800 square feet. After that, it took. But, but, and it's funny now, Jerome, all the clubs now, as we speak, the, the most successful clubs are the boot clubs right now that are like from five to six, 7,000 square feet. So, and why? Because people are into personal training and they want to have more of that personal touch. So the big clubs right now are suffering because people want the boutique clubs. Mm-hmm. So a lot of companies are pivoting like Equinox clubs that have smaller that they can give more private training and charge. Yeah, it's not the Walmart model. It's the Neiman Marcus model or right. Bloomingdale or something like that. So 
all right, you had the board, but it was investors and they invested by the club, but that didn't actually just allow you to just be owner. You're in making hands-on, making it work and growing it and figuring out how to make it profitable. Tell me about the sales process. Like did the first people that offered to sell, sell like. When you're saying the, the sales process, like the first sold to when no. So the first person maybe to make an offer on sell buying the clubs from you, did that go yeah. through or did you have like what we call the roller coaster of the exit where like multiple people make offers and they don't close and. It was actually my employees that bought me out. They were for eight and a half years and I mentored them and they're my students. In fact, they credited for their success and the people that bought me out were actually my employees. So okay. yeah, no, it was a one-time sale. That one was it. Done. One yeah. and done. Now that wasn't like that for the record company. Okay. Or the publishing company. So the record company, I went to multiple companies and finally sold out to Sony Records. How was that? Because I think a lot of founders, so selling to your employees is one thing that few people actually do successfully. Sometimes they do an ESOP. Sometimes they just sell it to the people. I think most people who are looking to buy stuff are looking for key employees who would stay around after their sales. So you just cut them out and sold it directly to the people who helped you build it. But like with the other, let's talk about the record company in particular. Did you, did you see a bunch of people interested or pretending to be interested and not actually coming to the table with real offers. Let's talk about that struggle because I don't think most people actually understand how that part goes. Yeah. Well, yes, you know, it's a numbers game. So I had to go through the different, I have my numbers ready. Number one, number two, I had to go through multiple people because all of them had good intentions, but they couldn't put first together. And they had either private money or hard money or that they were talking to about being investors. So that's why I ended up selling to a corporation because I didn't want to mess with it. But there's so many, like right now, what I do is I meant people in either starting, upscaling or exiting. So right now I'm helping a chiropractor. He's bought already four properties with chiropractic office. I'm also helping a franchise. So in those situations, you know, I also work with our doctors. And like you said, some of these, okay, they, these doctors don't want to all the time. So what they do is they sell and they get a percentage of, of their sell. But then the, the owners or the investors say, I want you to stay on for like two years. And they work three days a week and they keep their name up. They change the name of the building or whatever. There's many ways to do it. Of course, it's the best paid up front. Second is get a little bit up front and get paid for a couple of years. What I did is I paid a lot up front and stayed on as president until I was paid in full. And that was the deal. Now, got a, lot paid of, a lot of people don't like being an employee after being an entrepreneur for a long time. How was oh. that journey for you? Yeah, so let me give you some tips. Number one, if you are going to be very clear with the people who are buying you out. And like, for instance, like these chiropractors and doctors were telling them, hey, you're going to have to be here three days a week. And it's okay because they were there six days a week, right? right? So as long as you're clear, get everything in writing, and everybody's uh, happy with the uh, negotiations are, you're good. Make sure that you're real clear, especially if you're sitting and you don't want to be there. If you don't want to be there, careful of that because that could be a whole load of problems in the long run. And I've seen it. I've seen people that are locked up in legalities and it's not fun. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, AKA the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. 
want to find out more, hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. I got a text earlier this week from a guy who sold his company a couple of months ago, and he found out real fast that the job as senior vice president or president of the division wasn't what he thought it was going to be. And he, he put his notice in. Now, fortunately, he didn't have an earn out. He got all of his money up front. Right. But he still, you know, felt like he got sold a bill of goods. And I think people can be really, I don't know, I think they sprinkle pixie dust on the thing that, hey, you're going to be an employee now. Like there's going to be people telling you what to do. And it's a different position from the one you've had in building what you built. And I don't think most people, like I, I say, I'm unemployable all the time. I don't think most entrepreneurs are actually going to be good at being employees. Yeah. Well, I'm, the guys that bought me out were my employees. So we are, they had a lot of respect for me. Plus, they needed me because I had a great reputation and I needed to train people, obviously. And so they needed me a lot. And in fact, they continued for years to buy my materials and have me come in and speak. So. Which well, is good when it works. And you've not just spoke for the company that you sold. I mean, t- let's talk a little bit about some of the folks that you've done training for, if you can, and yeah, the organ the types of events that you've run. Because I, I don't think people truly think about what their next is on the backside of an exit. I think they just believe that. I'm going to ride off into the sunset and play golf, sit on a beach and drive fast cars and wear my fancy watches. And there's so much more on the backside. And I think, Omar, you're a great example of that. So like, let's talk about some of the things that you've done. You talked about singing. You talked about the record company. But there's a whole lot of skills that you cultivated when you were building the health clubs that you're using all over the planet. Yeah, and the singing helped with the speaking because you're really a performer and actor. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get a book, book deals. And like my first book was Investigative Selling, Tom Hopkins. Wrote the forward. I had the backing of Jim Rohn, Bob Proctor, Brian Tracy, all the big guys, and then John Maxwell. And then I did from management to leadership. And the thing is, because of Mr. Murphy's relationship, he owned Pins Unlimited. My first seminar was in front of uh, 400 people. My second seminar was in front of 20,000 because he put on the biggest stages in the world called Get Motivated. So I was on Get Motivated from 96 until they closed a few years ago for the pandemic. So I did like 50 cities a year for them. And then I got on Success Resources. And then Tony Robbins had a company called Results. So I got on those. I did some of those. And then Dynatech and you know, just keep going. And now it's our masterminds. Like you met Phil Smith. I do mastermind. Kevin Harrington, I'm partners with him. I do events for him. Tom Ziegler Jr., just a lot of different events, EdgeCon, things like that. So I'm still busy. I only do, I cut back, I only do three events a month because I was doing like 80 cities a year, uh, not necessary anymore. So I do like 35, one a week, that kind of thing. Now, some people would believe that they would never work that much post-exit uh, let's talk about it. So did you get a check or did the wire hit? Like when you got your big, the first big one? It was a check. In those right. days, yeah. So check. you're holding the check. I assume it's more money than you ever had in your life. Oh, yeah. That was yours. Absolutely. Yeah. How'd you feel? I felt like I need to find a bunch of banks that are all FDIC approved so I could. And I, that was my first two weeks finding all the banks I could that were FDIC approved, I could walk in and put 250, 250, 250 because I wasn't married, right? At the time. So I was just like running around. I had like all banks and then I got into real estate. I, I, Mr. Murphy owned a real company. So he taught me about real estate. So we started buying homes and commercial real estate. So I bought a lot of real estate and I set up a few of those up to this because I bought them right. And, and then I started you know, looking at companies that I could buy. And I did that up until about, about a year ago. I like, right before the pandemic, I like to buy companies that are profitable. 
like a million, million profits. And then I look for them. If I hope that they have real estate attached to it, I'll buy them, keep them and do an exit strategy three to four years. So I do those like a couple, I do at least one a year. And I was doing three a year. It, it got to be a lot, but, and singing. And well, I stopped the singing, but I the speaking is a full-time job too. And writing books, audios and all that good stuff. Plus, I mentor about a dozen people a year, and they're mostly individuals at companies that are upscaling, that kind of thing. So you you got the cash in your hand. You broke it up. You invested it in some places. We can talk about the post-exit portfolio in a little bit. How long did, well, how'd you celebrate? Let's go there for I bought myself a Rolex and a four, another 450SL. That's what, that was a hot car then. And I always love cars. Yeah, of course. So I was in California. You got a convertible. <laughs> and then I, I liked, there was this car that they were auctioning. It was this movie called Cannonball Run. And it was uh, with Burt Reynolds and all those guys. And it was an auction. My buddy did auctions. And it was that big Cadillac convertible that they put in a movie with the horns. But I took the horns off, of course. It was too much. But I bought that thing. You go to the top of Mulholland Drive and put it in neutral. By the time you're at the bottom, you could be be doing like 65 miles an hour. So heavy. So, but I had fun with that. And then, but I really enjoyed having a nice home. So I bought a nice house by the beach. That was my big deal. Wow. Yeah. How long did the feeling last that you made it? You finally Very hit the exit. Thank God. Not too long because of my mentor. Because the biggest thing about the fight is comfort. Because he was wealthy when I met him. So he says, your key is to not feel like you made it. Act like, and I still do. Wake up. I wake up like I have nothing. Start from scratch. And that motivates me to go out and seek speaking engagement, another publishing deal. Me, my last book just came out six months ago, 28th wow. book. So I'm doing, an, I'm looking at another one with the same uh, publisher out of the UK called Springer Publishing. So um, they're looking, I'm going to do another one. So, because this one did really well. So I'm always looking to do deals. I look for deals. I'm always looking for, like, I'm involved in SOS Hydration. I'm partners with Harrington. We uh, have a few things together. I, I love meeting achievers like yourself, like, you know, and doing stuff. You guys, like Kevin Harrington's a dear friend of mine, 30 years. Uh, he actually was my agent at QVC and Home Shopping Network. Time met him. And he was a CEO of, of QVC and Home Shopping Network International. And his brother, Tim, was the president. And they... Wanted Spanish, so they brought me in, and we did like a Spanish, for lack of a better uh, way, like a Tony Robbins in Spanish. It was called Como Te Todo, How to Have It All. So it went really well, and so that's how we became friends, doing these films and videos and commercials. And I was the guy for them, and he made it big. He was already a successful, but then he made it big with Shark Tank, mm-hmm. and so. Now we're partners in a few companies, and of course, Phil Smith, who I work with and do events for, and I'm, I do I partners with him on other things. So I love getting involved with things that I enjoy with people that I enjoy. Now, what it really sounds like is you became the mentor that you had that helped you get out of the health clubs. Is that fair? Yeah, that's why I do this because I feel like. He invested his life into my life. He's 89 years young, and I invest my life into other people's lives so I can help them achieve their greatest potential. Who knows where you can go? I mean, look where a Cuban immigrant without a degree got, right? So who knows where I can take somebody else that's got potential. But the one thing I'll say, and I know you know this, is I said to my mentor, Mr. Murphy, why me? And he said, you were the most coachable person I ever met in my life. Wow. I was so coachable because I'm like, what I'm doing is not working. This guy's got everything I want. He's got great kids, great wife, great cars, great businesses, great guy, man of integrity and character. 
humble. And I'm like, man, if I could be, if I could get close to this guy and be like him, I'd give anything. And I got wish. So I got lucky. Like I said, gotta get a little lucky. Yeah. But if you and weren't you gotta be ready, gotta be ready. Well, there's, that's the big one. But if you weren't coachable, he wouldn't have continued to invest in you because I imagine you couldn't pay that much in the beginning. You could probably pay a whole lot more on the backside, but in the beginning, you couldn't pay much. Now, he made money from, I guess, being an owner and the thing that you helped build, but you know, he didn't know that was going to happen either. He hoped, but he didn't know. I became really good friends with retired General Colin Powell, and he'd say things like, a great leader is an average individual who is incredibly well prepared when an incredible event occurs. Ooh. And he would say that to me. They, I, he always had these zingers, you know. He's like, uh, he, was a, he was a really great guy. What a gentleman. So, Omar, a lot of my privates come in and they're asking three questions. What was it all for? Is this really it? And what now? Right. Did you ever ask those questions? Do you see that to be, or do you see that to be common with the folks that you've been supporting? Yes. And let me share with you, for me, it was the health clubs was a means to own a record company so I could sing. But I love helping people lose weight, gain weight, build, tone, firm, reduce, whatever they wanted. I really enjoyed helping people because You'd see them transform what we do. They transform by being fit. You know, you see a man or a woman lose weight and get fit, and now they feel confident, right? So uh, that was amazing. So that was my motivation was to get them going. But then my real motivation was if I could just make enough money to buy a record company, and I did. So then when I exited, my big saving grace was that I had already the record company going and that Mr. Murphy already had a book deal for me. I mean, I was writing my book for five and a half years before I exited. Wow. Yeah. In fact, he said, son, there's more than one book. Let it go. Cause I kept saying it's not perfect. It's not perfect. So my first book investigative selling, I took me five and a half years. Then after that, I could knock out a book in a year and a half. The second one was long, two and a half years from management to leadership. But after that, it's been, I can knock out a book in nine months, you know. So, That's and then, of course, so you go from the, what do you, why'd you do it? And is it worth it? And the answer is yes, because I saw my mom and dad who are wonderful people. I love my parents my, and my mom and dad. My dad was a mechanic and my mom was a maid at a hotel. And when you see people trading time for money, they can never get ahead, mm-hmm. no matter how nice they are. And I saw my uncle work as a maintenance man in high schools and hospitals, working two jobs a day. And he took care of his family, but he never was able to get ahead. Trey finally bought himself a nice little home and all that. And he took care of his kids, but never like, never really got to enjoy himself. And then, you know, so I just thought, you know, I see, I see the examples and I don't want to be like that. I love them, but I want to be like Mr. Murphy. Remember, Mr. Murphy lived in abundance, 12,000 square foot home, fancy wow. cars, the, you know, the Rolex, the diamond Vendelian, the clothes, the second home up in Aspen, the third home in Flagstaff, skiing, you know, all. and I'm like, and I saw him and it was like, then I read this book. I wish I could remember the guy's name. And I, Mr. Murphy handed me a book called Life is Not Supposed to Be a Struggle. And it was written by a billionaire. And I, I wish I could remember the guy's name. He was, And the book is literally this small little book. It says life is not supposed to be a struggle. I have it in my storage, but I don't have it here. And I wish I could remember his name. Anyway, bottom line is that, you know, I thought, yeah, because you know, when you become successful and wealthy, people, I get a hundred, a thousand emails a month. People offering me deals, offering me a piece of their company, offering me, do I want to mentor them? If I, you know, if I can help them upscale, can I raise money? All that. I get a thousand emails a month. That's so a most of them are not that good. 
but there's some in there that are good. I, I look at them, but I get that and I get like, you know, opportunities, like I own pieces of companies that I mentor and, and get a retainer and I mentor and, and all that good stuff wow. and own a piece of it too. So yeah, uh, I, I flipped the chart. Now I, I, instead of running it day to day, I mentor coach and help them either run it, upskill it or raise money or have an exit strategy. Mm. And that's fun for me because I get to be part of it and I'm not like in there 24 seven. Cause you know, that's what it takes. That's what it takes to get the results in a lot of ways. Okay. So you see people asking those questions. What was it? What's really cool about your story? And you didn't say this explicitly, and I might be putting words in your mouth, but I think this is an accurate depiction of what happened. So you wanted to sing, it didn't work out. You went and did a health clubs thing. Then you had the financial wherewithal where you could sing, right? Because right. you own the company. You weren't right. letting the gatekeepers determine whether or not you were going to be able to sing. You did. And not only did you sing, but you knew you didn't, not only did you sing, you knew that you were going to be successful at singing. Right. You showed everybody else that they missed the boat. And, you know, you didn't talk about that, but if I get the Grammy or the equivalent of the Grammy, that means that I know what I'm doing and you guys are idiots and you should have hired me a long time ago. Right. Um, and I started producing other people mm -hmm. and I found these so there's a lot of beautiful Latin voices in Mexico and, you know, that, that and they have these uh, bands that you could record in one shot and make a, a CD or, and then they'd go out and people love that kind of music. It's like that music was, mm -mm -mm -mm, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That, that, that kind of Mexicali music. It's really cool. And um, so I started producing other people. And I started writing because I wrote a lot of songs on my records. Mm -hmm. So I write the money's you know that, right? So that's, you got to like, you just got to recreate all the time. Like, for instance, if you look at one that has an exit strategy and then they do something new, it's something curious about, interested, seek knowledge and become part of, like, for instance, right now, you know, AI, you know, right? or IT stuff, like people are really into that because it's like a, the new frontier, right? So it's important that you find that first challenge and you're curious about it and you want to learn because the key in life is to not when you get there, it's the journey, right? The key is a journey. It's a continuous journey towards you achieve predetermined worthwhile goals. So you, it's always continuous. Once you hit a goal, goal behind the goal. That's why everybody set a goal and then set an outreach goal. So if you hit the goal, you don't stop working. You keep moving to the next one, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's multiple streams of income. I like doing more than one thing at a time. And once you go through the process once, start doing three things at once. Mm -hmm. Three different companies i have seven and right they're now. all different yeah and by the way I, i'm gonna cut back i had more but i've cut back so i have finance company you know the, i'm in the sosi i'm in real estate i'm in insurance different things of course the publishing books audios all music i still you know Go into that. I don't sing anymore except during days I'll pull up and warm my voice up, do play music, that kind of stuff. Love it. Yeah. So you agree that people come asking those questions. How do you figure out your next? Like how is it just well, I, I wanted to do this and so I kept I, I'm gonna do it now, or was there something else that helped you uncover what should be next for you? I wanted to sing really bad. So there was no question of what I wanted next. And then when I did that, then Mr. Murphy said, hey, you need to to speaking. So he put me on the road with Tom Hopkins and I was his management. I would do the leadership training in the morning and Tom Hopkins would speak on sales in the afternoon 
and we already had get motivated. We had results. We had all these different companies. So I basically, because of Mr. Murphy from the health clubs singing and speaking all together. So I really be a speaker, but he said, you really need this. If you're great at it, the music background, and we will help you launch your career with the right books. And he said, you know, the whole thing is your now is to help others the way you were helped. And that's it. Yeah. Hmm. That's amazing. Was there any doubt on the backside of the exit? Were you questioning whether you could be successful again? Did you feel like maybe you potentially peaked or did you have that just undeniable confidence that things would be better than they had ever been? Yeah. And then I was like, Zig Ziglar said, uh, he said this quote, and he looked at me and laughed. He says, oh my, you're like, you'd go after Moby Dick with Tarzan's, you know? It's like, <laughs> so, where so I was up from. Uh, yeah, I mean, he made up ideas. No, where does your confidence come from, your oh, certainty? You know, I hard. really, I hung around people that gave me a lot of confidence. And I was really good at what I did. Really good. And and when you're great at what you do, you build a lot of confidence. And you learn about handling rejection and failure, falling in love with the word no, and realize failure is nothing. In fact, I don't call failure. I call failure a setback. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as my dear friend, Dr. Willie Jolly says, uh, and Les Brown says, uh, a setback is not preparation for a comeback. Yeah, right. It's a setup. Yeah, it's a setup. Yeah, yeah. So, as we kind of wind this thing down, Omar, one, if the listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? They can just reach out to me at info at omarperiu.com, which is info o m a r p e r i u dot com, or they can go to my email, which is. Omarperiu at gmail.com, O-M-A-R-P-R-I-U at gmail.com. Yeah. He's responsive, ladies and gentlemen. He gets back to you. He, he wants to see what's going on. The final two questions that I, I wrap up these shows with is, and the first one is, who else should we have on the show? Usually those who exit know others that have exited. And we love to share these stories because we want to normalize this conversation around exits and the things that are challenging about them. Is there anybody that comes to mind immediately when I ask you that question? Yeah, I would say Kevin Harrington, who's done a lot of exits. Wow. And he would be a great one to have on the show. Okay. He's done a lot of businesses. I mean, he's made billions of dollars in businesses. And also my dear friend, Les Brown, amazing. I mean, champion. So... But just like that, I mean, right there, there's two people. I, but Kevin, for what we do, is my first thought because this is what he does, right? Right now, and if you go online, you'll see him promoting a lot of businesses that he either brings me into, he owns a piece of, and brings me in, he owns by himself with his, his son, Brian Harrington, things like that. Wow. Okay. We'll figure out how to get hooked up with those two amazing folks. I can make that happen. That's awesome. And then the final question, the one I ask every single guest on this show, is what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from the episode? Because there's been so much here. Yeah. I would tell everyone that you really need to have courage to go out and do what you want. And the only time I've ever failed Something I wanted is when my plan lacked courage. I think that you really have to have courage. And people are telling you, look, you know, you keep Cuba, you don't have a degree, you don't speak English well, you have no money. Just them throw negativity at you and just say, no matter. I tell people, the more negativity you throw at me, the stronger I get. And you just keep going. Now, make sure that you, again, you're going after the right vehicle because I don't want you you know Jim Rohn used to say if you're motivated and you're after the wrong vehicle what do you have a motivated idiot right so you don't want that uh, 
But no, I think you have to have courage in life. And if you have courage, you're going to do the things that failures won't, and you're going to do things that people won't. And I think that I've had, I haven't had courage, and I still do. And I'm not done. And I think that you've got to really start really believing in yourself and be confident. And sometimes it's hard because life can kick you down and beat you up. But if you believe in yourself, and you, even if you have a little bit of belief, and you just keep persevering, persevering and tenacity and be a self-starter and keep going after it, sooner or later, momentum is going to go into your way and help there. But courage is a great word, courage. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I think there's so many people who are scared and they let right. that ruin, they, they let that run their life. But you, my friend, you're a dream catcher. You did it regardless of what the odds were. You show up every day with vigor and zest, with the intention to make the world a better place and to get the things that you truly desire. I know that there's been challenges. You and I have had some conversations online that it just makes me at times pause and realize how much I have to be grateful for some of the things that, you know, you had to go through or you've been through as a result of unfortunate circumstances. And, you know, it's really interesting when people will be like, he's so lucky, but ladies and gentlemen, he created his luck. He was coachable. He was willing to take risks. He demonstrated courage and courage isn't like just a word. Like when you think about it, you actually have to be scared and do it anyway to demonstrate that you have courage. And, you know, if you're only doing things because you feel comfortable, I can assure you that's the fastest way to mediocrity. And if you want to live an extraordinary life like Omar, then you better be willing to step up to the plate when fear shows up, look it in the eye and say, Hey, get in the passenger seat or get in the back seat. We're going for a ride in this Cadillac from the the Dukes uh, or from the Cannonball Run movie. Ovar, this has been warming and enriching for my soul. I'm so grateful to have you in my network, and I look forward to continue to deepen our relationship and continue to learn and grow from you. Because I tell you, you've got so much experience. It's just shocking to me that more people don't know you because I feel like I know all the guys right and when I met you at the party I was like man how do I not know this guy and all the right. things that he's done and I mean there's some things that we can't record that you've done which just takes it to a whole new level man so again I, from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for being so generous with your time today thank you Jerome thank you for having me and I look forward to the next one so much to the listeners your dreams should be real we'll talk to you in the next episode Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.